also to um, just backtracking a bit to um, to the attempt to find freedom in some kind of transcendence, you know, which is find, trying to find some kind of emotional high, not emotional high, just some kind of mental high or conscious high or blissful state all the time. One of the things Joko used to say frequently um, um, in session, which put a pin in that bubble all the time, he said, if you, if you want a high, just go and see a drug dealer. It's much easier. You know? The city going through all this pain and everything, if that's what you want, go down to the drugstore. It's not the, the kind of freedom we're looking for, it's not some permanent tweaking of the brain, you know, so it's running on, on endorphins all the time or something, even though that may happen in meditation. <clears throat> um, one of the things which is um, valued in uh, Zen practice, um, which is associated with freedom, is um, spontaneity. And it's something that we value so highly in, in children. You see how children can be so um, uninhibited in the way that they live their life. And as we grow older and we become more serious, we often lose it. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, the path of practice is to, is to find that spontaneity that we've lost. Mm -hmm. But not with the immaturity of a child, with the maturity of an adult and the wisdom that comes with that. Um, so spontaneity can be held up as some kind of ideal as well. And it can be sort of misunderstood as being able to do whatever you want, when you want, mm -hmm. or to act in kind of... Um, uninhibited, outrageous kind of way, mm -hmm. kind of a crazy wisdom, which may have its wisdom in it at times. But when we get down to what spontaneity really is, it comes down to um, just being with life as it is. There's no, there's no separation between you and the moment. If there's no separation between you and the moment, then you just do what the moment requires. It's through the actual division um, that me faces the world um, that the lack of spontaneity actually comes. That sort of that sort of um, stiffness actually comes. Um, so it's not something that's necessarily something unusual or outrageous or crazy, mm -hmm. although it may take that form at times. <clears throat> One of the things which um, various spiritual practice and therapies as well hold out to offer are uh, techniques of some kind or another. You, you do this technique and it will lead to this such and such predictable result and then you'll be freer than what you were before. You'll be freer of fear or depression or um, some kind of difficulties in life. Um, as soon as we turn it into a technique, um, it's not truly Zen practice anymore. Mm -hmm. Let me give you, um, I wrote down what uh, uh, you know, Stephen Batchelor, the Buddhist scholar, um, said about techniques, which was quite, quite good. 
A technique is the embodiment of a logical procedure. In applying a technique, we apply a series of interconnected stages which have been thought out beforehand. Each stage is linked causally to the next. Um, and as long as we follow the various stages, we will produce a predictable result. Mm -hmm. That's not the way Zen practice works. Mm -hmm. um, you, know, you hear in, in, in various therapies or even in, in some other Buddhist traditions about going through jhanas or stages. Well, you do this, you go through this stage and this stage and this stage and you're identifiable and you'll come out the end and you'll be whatever, enlightened or whatever. Um, but it's, it's missing the point of what life actually is, to think that you go through, it, it's holding out another hope. Mm -hmm. it's, it's holding out the hope of predictability. That you can do this, 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 this and this, and there'll be a logical sequence and it'll all work out in the end. And uh, it's another kind of curative fantasy. And it's a trap that, that people can very easily get into in practice. You know, it's, you know, doing all the right stages and this should follow. Um, it doesn't work like that. It's not to say there isn't a technique to follow. Meditation, in a sense, is a technique. But if we think of Zen practice as a, a goal-seeking type of behavior and a technique is going to help us get us there more effectively, we've really missed the point. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a goal-seeking. That's the thing that's so hard to understand about practice. It's not a goal-seeking activity. See, from the Dharma point of view, even from the Buddha's point of view, um, we said we're not free in the first place. What makes you think you're not free now? Or I'm not free now? Mm -hmm. One Zen teacher, one old Zen teacher, in response to a question along these lines said, Who binds you right now? What is binding you right now? What binds us right now is simply the idea that who we are now, where we are now, what we're doing right now, is not enough. That's the only thing that binds us. As soon as we step into that realm where we think, I'll do this to become a better person, uh, then we've missed the point. It's the hardest thing to grasp about Zen practice. It's why it's not as popular as sport, mm -hmm. or making money, or whatever, or a career. Mm -hmm. Because we just simply cannot get it that it's not a goal-seeking behaviour. There's nothing in it for me. Mm -hmm. Except there is a certain freedom in it when we become free of goal-seeking. But we... It's hard for all of us to, including me, it's hard for all of us to give up this idea that somehow we're doing this with a goal in mind. And when we, when we, 
practicing that way as though we're goal seeking as a technique that's going to get us to the goal, um, it's another version of trying to control life or control impermanence. You can't control impermanence. Life is unpredictable. And when you try and make sense of the whole thing, it's like trying to make sense out of a mystery instead of just allowing the mystery to be a mystery. What's wrong with a mystery just being a mystery? The mystery is wonderful. The whole, one, of the, one of the other aspects of Zen practice, the way it kind of challenges philosophy and thinking all the time, is that we're constantly addicted to trying to make sense of our life. But it's a mystery. And where you end up, the place you end up in after years and years of practice is that you stop trying to make sense of it and you enjoy the mystery because that's what it is. Mysteries are there to be enjoyed, mm -hmm. not to be solved. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that we're doing if we treat this as a goal-seeking type of activity is that we're, it's trying to separate life from life. We are life. We're not, we're not separate from it. But when we try and separate ourselves from it, we, we create another kind of um, confusion or awkwardness or dissatisfaction in ourselves. Mm -hmm. so trying to control the unpredictable, trying to make sense of that which can't be made sense of. Mm -hmm. Trying to separate ourselves from that which cannot be separated from all causes dissatisfaction and gives us the experience of feeling bound. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? Um, we stop trying to escape from where we are. We stop trying to escape from who we are. We stop trying to escape from the actual circumstances as they are, unless they're perhaps life-threatening. Now what also comes with practice are things which would appear to bind us, but they don't in fact. And that's um, things like ethical guidelines and precepts, um, no indulging in anger, no criticising the faults of others, etc, etc. They would appear to be um, restraints, and in, in one way they can be seen as restraints. And sometimes we need those kind of guidelines in our life before we can really realise, um, until we can really just abide in the mystery and stop trying to predict the unpredictable or control the unpredictable. Um, but a lot of harm is caused in our life because of an underlying dissatisfaction. Mm -hmm. Through that dissatisfaction, we keep trying to avoid things. We try to trying to grasp after things, and 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 the two sort of primary emotions that arise out of that um, are fear and anger. Fear is fear comes from wanting to escape from things. Anger comes from not being able to change things into the way I want it to be. Mm -hmm. And so, yes. The precepts kind of hold us in that space where we're in that deluded space. But the more we stop trying to grasp and the more we stop trying to escape, then the dissatisfaction dies down 
and the anger dies down and the fear dies down. And then our ethical conduct in life is based from a freedom of those two emotions rather than just some kind of moral imperative. This becomes more natural. So, when we see it, as we're doing a lot of today, um, the spirit of it is not to seek for a goal, not to try and make sense of it, not to try and control it, predict it. Just being each moment as it is, as you are. Um, it's through that way of approaching practice that we're going to find that kind of freedom.